chapter 12 because we'll start in the end of verse 11 in a moment and really one of the reason we're doing this again and through these Romans 12 verses is we want to keep redigging this well that was a prophetic thing that shaped us and continues to shape us this idea of redigging the wells of who we are who God has made us to be what he has called us to do and um, we want to keep redigging this well that increasingly we are less a church which we come to receive from a limited few and increasingly a church which everyone is engaged and giving of themselves to giving gospel ministry and serving others with gospel ministry and right across the life of new community at the moment we just there are just so so many new people we're continuing our DNA course today DNA started with 50 it's now up to 70 uh, people who are on it today. Um, and uh, if you're here doing DNA, that's awesome. Um, I'll be, I'm not going to be here. I'm skipping back over to Sidcup to lead that one. I leave you in the capable hands of Nemi. Um, so it'll be great. But we're redigging this, uh, redigging this, this well, really, this priority that we exist to make disciples, family members, and missionaries of all nations to the glory of God. And this is what we're concerned with the most the glory of God. It's always already been referenced in our time of worship today. If you have your Bible open, just look at the end of Romans chapter 11. And Paul ends Romans 11 with this declaration that it's all about the glory of God. Verse 36, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. And then Paul says, in starts verse 12, the very next bit, he says, in view of all that God is, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, in view of who God is and in view of all that he's done for you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't be like this world. We're supposed to be a countercultural people. We are in the world, but we are not of it. So very encouraged by some of the stories we just heard of communities. It's kind of, we're not just doing our separate thing. All of them, I hope you pick that up. It's all about inviting other people in. We are in this world, but we are not of it. And so in a world that prioritises kind of self and looking after number one, we prioritise the least, the last, and the lost. In a world of consumerism, which is all about me and my needs, we believe in community. And so we prioritise orienting our lives around helping others thrive and grow. In a world that is divisive and puts up barriers, we prioritise making room for different voices. And in a world that is sceptical and cynical and distrusting and scheming and lacking in faith, we believe God is at work. And so we look for where God is working and we change things to join Him. And in a world that's impatient and always in a rush, we're not in a rush. In God's timing, we we pray, we wait on the Lord, we weigh what He says, and then we respond, we do. This is who we are. This is our kind of whole life, if you like, response to the glory of God. And so we give ourselves to Him and we give ourselves to His plans and His purposes on the earth. 
It's why to the glory of God, it's why we end that phrase, to the glory of God, it's why we exist to make disciples, family members and missionaries of all nations. Because this is exactly what God is doing on the earth today. He is gathering for Himself a people of all shapes and sizes and colours and creeds and cultures. We today are part, not just in this moment, but generally today in 2022, we are part of the most exciting thing going on on the planet, on the earth right now. The ingathering of the elect, of people from every tribe and every tongue and every everything. This is the mission of God. This is what we're part of. And it's a, it's the, it's a mission to which God has given a church, not the other way around. The church doesn't have a mission The mission has a church. So we kind of looked at last week, Ephesians 3.10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. It's through us, through the people of God, the body of Jesus, the church, which the wisdom of God is displayed to the world. All that Jesus started on earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, everything that he did, he continued through his body, the church in the book of Acts, And he continues it today through people like you and me, through his church, through his body, his dwelling place on earth, his hands, his feet, his people. We are the body of Jesus. And to do that effectively, to play our part in in the ingathering of the elect from every tribe and every tongue, to do that effectively, Jesus has given gifts of himself to his people of himself to his people, to his body, to use, to build up the church, to serve one another for the common good, all for the sake of mission, the ingathering of people from all nations to the glory of God. So let's pick it up in verse uh, three of Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than they ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I'm just going to pause there for a moment because there is so much stuff going on just in these first verses. Big picture got to continually remind ourselves of the big picture. We get so kind of caught up in, in frankly, navel-gazing, which is such a weird phrase because no one actually does that, but of looking at ourselves and kind of being um, sort of a little bit pre If you do navel-gaze, that is the weirdest part of your body that you can spend time just staring at, right? Yeah, no, it's still there. Uh, But it's that sense of we can get so self-preoccupied, so consumed with our... And I say this all lovingly because I live in one too, our small worlds. We just kind of get like, oh, it's this and it. No, we've got to remind ourselves, continue of the big thing, the big picture of what we're part of. The mission of God is being carried out by the people of God. And we cannot do any of this stuff in our own strength and we can't do it by ourselves. But here's the thing, we're not by ourselves. We have the Spirit of God, but we also have the body of Jesus, the brothers and sisters in Christ, one another. And the ascended Jesus gave these gifts of Himself to His body. That's us. He gave us, the people of God, gifts. Look at verse four. We are many members of one body. So we're united. 
Doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter where you came from, what you did before you got here, what language you speak, what you look like, anything like that. We're united. We are all the same body in Christ. Verse five, individually members one of another. We're the same, but we're also different. Verse four, we do not all have the same function. Verse six, we have gifts that differ. We're united, we're all the same and we're all functioning different with different gifts. We are different. There's a diversity within the body which is there by design, by design. I'm so excited, but right across the life of new community, so many new people, like well into three figures of new people. It's so very exciting. If you're one of those people who's joined us, I don't believe it's by accident. I believe God has added you into this local body with a unique set of gifts to be used in this local body. And if you're somebody who's been here for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's not, oh, well, no, you keep moving. You're here for a purpose to use the gifts that God has gifted and given you, play your part in the body. We're united, yet we're different. Different functions, different gifts. Let us use them. Now, here's the thing. I, I want to I wanna focus on this in this moment. I said some of this last week, but I just, I just feel it's important. I want to drill back into this again and again and again because this big picture thing, all nations reaching all nations to the glory of God only works when the vehicle that is designed to reach all nations, which is the body, functions as it ought to. And for the body to function as it ought to, each member needs to function as it ought to, using the gifts that God has given you. It's not kind of like, I mean, I know nothing about cars, but what I do know is when one little thing goes wrong, the whole thing goes wrong. Every, and our car broke a little while ago. It's like, oh, it's only a small part. But the whole car's bust as a result. It doesn't function. You think, well, why is that bit needed? Because otherwise the rest of it doesn't work. It's literally like that. When you're kind of sick in your body, you don't just go, oh, well, I'll just... Your whole body's sick. It's not like, well, it's only that bit. I'll detach it for a bit and carry on. No, your whole body's sick. One bit affects everything else. To do this big picture, mission of God stuff, reaching people from every tribe and every tongue, the vehicle designed for the mission, which is the church, needs to be functioning fully which means everybody is involved playing their part using the gifts that they have. Here's the thing. Gifts are given to us for the glory of God. They're given to us for the glory of God. Gifts are gifts. They're not rewards. Like generally speaking, we live in a rewards-based culture, don't we? And this rewards-based culture, it shapes so much of how we think and how we live and how we act. From an early age, you are taught, you get what you deserve. It's like why we have rewards chart stickers for kids when they're little. Like, do this, get a sticker. Don't do that, you don't get a sticker. And when you're a kid, not getting a sticker is like the worst thing that can happen to you. But we carry on that in school, don't we? Work hard at school and you'll get the rewards you deserve. My eldest has just done his SATs. The whole message, I mean, the school have done it nicely and well, but it's essentially, you've worked hard all year, so you'll be fine in the exams. And counter that, they don't say this, but similarly, if you haven't, you won't. <laughs> That's the way it works. We all know that. And if you're still like, oh, I'm not so sure, go to work tomorrow and do nothing. And then go to Tuesday work and do nothing again. And then repeat that on Wednesday. See how many days you can go before someone says, don't come in tomorrow. We live in this performance-based culture that you get what you deserve and it affects everything. What sounds more humble? What sounds more arrogant? I'm gifted or I just worked really hard. Like in, in culturally, it's to say, I, I'm, 
I'm really gifted or I worked really hard. What, which one of those sounds more humble and which one of them sounds more arrogant? But we're in the world, we're not of it, right? We're supposed to be transformed, renewed, through the renewing of our minds. So to say, I just worked really hard. I work, I, I'm not gifted, I just worked really hard. That actually is just making it all about you, right? It's all about me. I got myself here. I did this. I'm good at that because I worked really hard and so therefore I deserve it. Do you know, it's not about me at all. It's about the gift giver. So actually to say I'm gifted is recognising it's not about me, it's about the one who gave me the gifts. It totally changes. He's the one who gave the gifts and he's the one who decides what we get because they were given to you. You didn't earn them. You didn't apply for them. You didn't qualify for them. You didn't train for them and then pass an exam. Okay, you're sufficiently gifted enough in that area. Now you can do that. No, that's not how it worked. You were given and you were entrusted, not for your credit, for your glory, but for his. And so being entrusted with a specific spiritual gift is no more any credit to us than any more than a delivery driver takes credit for a present that some family member has sent you. The delivery driver hands it over and you don't go, wow, you're awesome, delivery driver. <laughs> Amazing, all credit to you for giving me the gift that somebody else sent. The delivery driver just delivers the gift. That is what they do. It's a gift that comes from the gift giver, not the person who delivers it. That makes sense? Gifts, not rewards. And so our identity is not in them. This insert whatever, this insert whatever it might be, is who I am. No, it's not. If you insert anything into that gap, gift and, or vocation or status or relationship or job or sexual identity or role or achievement or whatever it is, anything else in that gap, this is who I am, anything else apart from in Christ, you're going to end up being shackled to other things that come and go. I listened to a, a sports podcast the other day on uh, professional athletes and they were talking about depression and um, mental health challenges and, and even suicidal stuff going on following retirement from professional sports. And it was searingly honest and it was unbelievably sad. It was this pro sport, whatever it is, rugby, football, athletics, cricket, whatever. This is who I am. This is what I'm gifted at. This is what I've worked so hard for. And when it's over, I've got nothing left to live for anymore. And you just think, wow, so sad. Our identity is not in what we do or in the gifts that we have. Our identity is in Christ. St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find its rest in you, Lord. We're restless until we find our identity in the one who gives us our identity. God made you in his image. Jesus remade you in his. You are reborn and you're born again in Christ. Now your primary identity is in him and your heart will be restless until you get that and find that. And if it's in anything else, everything else comes and goes. You'll be shackled to whether you're performing well or whether you're not. And you will be up and down like a blinking yo-yo unless you are in Christ Jesus. Our identity is in him. And the gifts we have are God-given, which means our attitude towards them, firstly, well, it's, frankly, it's just one of gratitude. Like, God, you chose me to have this gift for your glory. Out of all the people you could have given these gifts to, you, you gave this one to me? Wow. And so our attitude, firstly, is one of gratitude, not, oh, I wish you'd give me that one. Not kind of, oh, I prefer theirs or, well, okay, but it's not as good as theirs. 
I'd rather that. Why'd you give me this one? I want that one. No, no, no. Our attitude first and foremost is one of gratitude. God, you gifted me with this stuff. Oh, thank you. Now, by the mercies of God, let us use them. So we didn't work hard to get these gifts, but we do work hard to steward them. We've been entrusted by God with these specific spiritual gifts. Just back to that delivery driver for a moment. His job is to deliver the gift safely so we can benefit from it. That's, that's all his job is. So our job, therefore, is to deliver the gifts that God has given us. He's given us to deliver them, not so we can hold on to them and go, I've got these gifts, isn't this nice? In our own little private gift party. To actually, weird, but to actually use them, to deliver them, to use them for the purpose with which he has given us. God has gifted us with the gift of generosity. Well, I'll just generous to myself and hoard a whole load of, no, that's not the way it works. He's given you this stuff in order to you can give it away. That's the whole biblical mandate, the biblical pattern. You are blessed not for yourself, but in order to be a blessing. There's an expectation, therefore, that you use the gifts that God's given you. You get that, right? There's an expectation that we use the gifts God's given us. That's the whole parable of the talents that Jesus tells. You've been given these talents, and there's an expectation from God that you use them. Because one day you will be held to account for what you did with the gifts and talents that God gave you. You're going to stand before him one day and he's going to say, what did you do with the stuff I gave you? You're not going to be held to get asked to give an account for your sin. Jesus has already got that one covered. You'll stand before him forgiven and free, fully accepted. Your sin will not be held against you, but we will stand before him and be held to account for what we did with the things that God gave us. The talents and the gifts, how we use them and what we use them for. And in that parable, well, I didn't want to get it wrong, so I held on to it. He doesn't get a good reward in that moment. Gets told off in that moment. That's not a good moment. Well, I was supremely gifted, but I didn't use them for anybody but myself. Or I just didn't use them because I wasn't sure or I didn't know. No, no, no. We, we are expected to use the gifts and the talents that we have. It's why we're so concerned with the glory of God. Because we want to use the gifts that he's given for, for us for his glory, recognising that what is for his glory is for our good and for the good of those around us particularly those who do not yet know Jesus. Just like Jesus, we prioritise the least, the last and the last. That's what he came for, to seek and save the lost. And so we give ourselves unto those things as well, using the gifts that God has given us. So we have these gifts. They're different. They're for his glory. They're for the extension of his kingdom on the earth. So let us use them. Let's just go back to verse three for a moment because We've got gifts, come on, let us use them, go for it. So often isn't quite so straightforward, is it? And often that's because there is usually some kind of murky stuff lying around somewhere in our hearts or in our minds that so often causes us problems or prevents us from either using our gifts or from using them effectively and fruitfully. Verse three, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Don't miss here that Paul introduces this list of gifts by telling us that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Like this is really common for Paul. He, he talks about spiritual gifts elsewhere, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, and he sets it out exactly in the same way. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. 
And if we think of ourselves more highly than we ought, then we won't, either won't feel the necessity of using our gifts, well, I don't really need to, or we'll use them in such a way that isn't for the common good or for the building up, or we won't use them until we think the conditions are just right, or we won't use them until kind of it suits us, or we think people will notice us or give us enough credit, or, we, well, they don't spot it, so why, why should I? I'm not playing my part until someone, no, 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 or we end up using them for self-promotion or worse, self-validation. I'll use them because it makes me feel good about myself. No, 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 that's pride. And pride is the root behind so many other sins. On the other hand, if we think of ourselves too lowly, we won't use the gifts we have either because of fear. Usually fear of man. We're kind of worried about what other people might think. If I start doing this, will they think that? So actually it's probably better I don't use them because people will think I'm kind of promoting myself or got a big head or whatever it might be. Or often we don't use them because of timidity, forgetting that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and self-control. Or of doubt, we're like, am I really, can I really do this? And so we, we don't at all because we're not quite sure. That's insecurity. And pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin. Get that, right? They're two sides of the same coin. And it all comes back to identity and understanding or misunderstanding of the gospel. Verse three, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought. Paul in verses one and two has just appealed to us to be shaped by the gospel. What has the gospel taught you about you? Well, it's taught you, if you understand it properly, to think rightly about yourself, not too highly or too lowly. The gospel teaches you that you were so needy and so helpless that God had to save you entirely through an act of grace and by his power. If you had what it takes to save yourself, you would have done it, but you couldn't. If you had what it takes to save yourself, Jesus wouldn't have needed to step down from heaven to come to earth to die on a cross in your place. But he did because you couldn't do it. And that should permanently destroy any sense of self-sufficiency or pride that we've got what it takes to make life work because we don't. And that should be therefore how we approach, that should shape how we approach the rest of our lives. Because if just as you were dependent upon God's grace to save you, you are now dependent on God's grace to sustain you. It's not in by grace and carry on by performance, thank you very much. In by grace, through to the end by grace. It's the grace of God saved you. It's the grace of God sustained you. It's the grace of God that will see you through to the end. So don't think too highly of yourself. Thanks, Lord, I've got it from me on from here. No, no, you were dead and needy. You needed him. You still need him now. You will need him for all eternity. Don't think too highly of yourself. But on the flip side, the gospel teaches you not to think too lowly of yourself either. God has saved you and put his spirit in you and he has designed you specifically and uniquely with particular gifts and has a role for you in his kingdom. And so if you belong to Jesus, you have the same righteousness, you have the same spirit that the greatest saints of history have ever had. You have too. You walk in the same footsteps. You are part of the same body. You are part of the same people. You are part of the same plans and the same purposes because you are now in Christ. And so he's given to you gifts and a specific role in his kingdom. So we don't think of ourselves too highly. It's all about his glory, not ours. The exercising of gifts should always point to him. It shouldn't be, should always make people think, wow, isn't Jesus amazing? Not, isn't that guy amazing? But at the same time, we don't think of ourselves too lowly. Every gift counts. 
Every gift is needed. In his wisdom, God has gifted you with your set of gifts. So let us use them. So let's go just back into the text and this list of specific gifts, because here basically there are three different types of categories. We have speaking gifts and leading gifts and serving gifts. And I'm not going to go into every single one in a huge amount of detail at all, because partly we don't have time, but also partly because there's loads of great resources out there. And if you go to newcom.church forward slash Holy Spirit, if you're new to all of this, go to newcom.church forward slash Holy Spirit. And there you will find a whole load of resources on who the person of the Holy Spirit is, on being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptised with the Holy Spirit, and then also on spiritual gifts and what they're all about and how you can find it. You can do that in your own time or you can grab hold of, there's loads of good stuff out there, but this one particularly, receiving the Holy Spirit and his gifts, by a guy called Terry Virgo. One or two of you might have heard of him. And Phil Rogers. Um, one or two of you might have heard of him as well. And this is an excellent little book that just describes and gives you loads of Bible verses. You can go and look at it yourself about receiving the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. Goes into it a whole lot more detail there. But let's just quickly go back into uh, verse six here. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, which is acting as a divine spokesperson, I guess, speaking on behalf of God. Prophecy is never 100% kind of uh, totally from the Lord in that sense because we bring something of ourselves into it. And so we don't need to, we're not casual about it, speaking on behalf of the Lord. No, it's fine, no sweat. But at the same time, neither are we kind of like really fearful and timid about it because God has given the gift of prophecy to build up and encourage. We prophesy in part. We prophesy in order to, uh, we weigh it, to allow the body to weigh it where we are because we don't get it right all of the time. But it doesn't mean we hold back from it. Ask God for the gift of prophecy. And if we've got it in proportion to our faith. If service, meeting people's physical needs, getting things done, in our serving. The one who teaches, which is explanation of doctrine and, and truth, not just preaching on a Sunday in lots of different contexts and lots of different ways in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, that's different from teaching. That's calling people to obedience, pointing them to Jesus. It's getting alongside people and, and calling people to live out truth. Come on, you know this truth. I want you to remind the truth. Some of you after this will need to exhort other people to say, listen, you are included in this. Why are you not playing your gifts, using your gifts? Why are you not stepping out? That's the gift of exhortation, calling it out of other people and saying, come on, go for it. You are gifted. You've got a part to play. Stop allowing the lies of the enemy to get in and, and think, oh, I'm not really included. Stop letting your pride get in the way and thinking, well, I don't really need to or I don't really want to. Get involved. That's the gift of exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity, that's gift of giving, which by circumstance or disposition, it means meeting needs. Very often financially, there's just this grace upon you to give and be generous. God has gifted you this to be able to do it and just give it away freely and more and more and more. Do it in generosity. The one who leads with zeal, not your own zeal, zeal for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God, doing it for an audience of one. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So working with the poor, the sick, the broken, how do we do it? With an attitude of cheerfulness. You've been gifted with it. It's just, a, it's just a joy to serve people. Go for it. Keep doing it. Here's the thing. We all have gifts. If you're part of the body, you've got gifts. Let us use them. So do you know what yours are? If you don't, 
newcom.church forward slash Holy Spirit, one of these books, whatever it might be. Some of you are new to this, new Christians, new into this kind of thing. I'm thinking, I've never, I've read the Bible before, but I've never really seen this. I've never really thought there's an expectation on me to use things. Well, do you know what? That's absolutely fine. We now go on a journey of working out who we are, what gifts we have and how to use them. And the best way of doing that is in community with others. We might feel this kind of affinity towards a particular gift, but we might think we've got this ability, but we also need this affirmation from others, this encouragement from others. I, I see this thing in you. Keep going with that. Step out again in that kind of, in that sort of way. Serve in that way. Give in that way. Prophesy again in that. When you spoke, it was like really brings clarity and help. Thank you. Go again. We work these things out in community together. And if you are somebody who is operating in your gifts, I just want to encourage you, keep going. You are playing your part in the advancement of the kingdom of God. And you might think, well, no one really ever sees. You're not doing them for anybody else to really see. You're doing it for the glory of God, believing that as we serve an audience of one, as we do things for the glory of God, he gets glory, it does us good. And somehow in the economies of God, it does good to other people as well. He sees all things you are serving him first, primarily. So keep going. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary. If we do not give up, we will reap in season. Keep going. But here's the thing, I just want to end with this. Some of these gifts will be used here on Sundays. I've seen some of them already in action. See them week after week already in action. But most of them will be used out there where the real action is. I'm in what many people would describe as full-time Christian ministry. It makes sense to uh, most people in church, causes no end of problems for people outside of church. Are you a vicar? Like kind of, yeah, no, yeah, no. Do you know anything about church? No, yeah, just vicar if you want, that's fine. But actually it causes most people, bigger problem I think I've found over the years is with actually with people in church. Because there's this kind of widespread myth that calling into ministry is only for a few. few truthfully, few lies, lies cripple the mission more than this one. We're all in full-time ministry. You get that, right? We're all in full-time Christian ministry. We need to smash the myth that ministry is a calling for the few and embrace the reality that everyone is called to ministry. If you're in business and you're good at it, you go ask yourself, why did God make me good at this business? Surely it wasn't so you could just make a load of money to retire early and play golf endlessly. That's not, that's not why God has gifted you. Just imagine for a moment, he's given you these talents and these gifts as a means to be a blessing and as a means to spread the gospel to other people. If you're good at, really good at making money, you don't need to be awkward and embarrassed about it. God's gifted me with this gift of making money. Just think now what an incredible opportunity you have to use that gift for the glory of God and the extension of the kingdom. One day, he's gonna, you're gonna stand before him and he's gonna go, I gave you this gift to make millions of pounds. What did you do with it all? What a joy to be able to say, I invested so much of it in eternity. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Keep going. If you're a stay-at-home mum, you need to consider kind of what you, the, the, the role that you play in advancing the kingdom. I got three kids. When mine were particularly little, Han used to say that she was a missionary to the unreached people that is the silly children. <laughs> That's where, that was her job. What do you do? I'm a missionary full-time. Really? Cool, Where? in my house, to my children all the time. That is, that's honestly, whether you're a full-time mum or not, raising children is serious, serious spiritual missionary work. 
It's valuable kingdom work. And exactly the same principle applies whether you're a teacher or a police officer or a social worker or a city worker or a nurse or a business person of some description. Frankly, even if you're an estate agent. Yeah, no, that still works. It can do. To the glory of God. I hope there's no estate. If there are, God bless you. I don't understand, but God bless you. Wherever you find yourself this time tomorrow, you're on the front line of mission. And this is not about using your job to force kind of people into awkward moments. That funny, but not funny story, really. 2004, there was an American Airlines pilot who in his pre-flight announcements asked Christians on board to raise their hands. And he then suggested that during the flight, the other passengers might want to talk to those who'd raise their hands about their faith. Now, understandably, this freaked a lot of people out, right? Can you imagine being on a plane, your airline pilot asking you if you're ready to meet Jesus? <laughs> like, that's, that's not okay. That's kind of not really appropriate, not really helpful. So you'd probably lose your job if you did that. A bit like, imagine going into surgery and the surgeon saying, are you ready to meet Jesus just before they put you under? That's not gonna help. That's not a good thing. But serving Jesus at work is about whatever your work is, paid, unpaid, voluntary, stay-at-home mum, whatever it is, whatever your this time tomorrow is, it's about doing it for the glory of God and the benefit of his creation, which includes people. Whatever you do, you do it well for the glory of God and you do it with intentionality. Wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you play with gospel intentionality, using the gifts that you have in the places where you find yourself. And when we take these gifts that we find here in Romans 12 and we move them outside of a Sunday meeting, when normal Christians, you understand what I mean by that, everyday people embrace the idea and the understanding that they are called and they're gifted by God to use their gifts as a blessing to others for the purpose of advancing the kingdom, well, the gospel begins to spread significantly. The first time the gospel left Jerusalem, it was not in the mouths of the apostles. You know that, right? Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will take, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Well, the first time that the gospel actually began to go to the ends of the earth, not a single apostle was involved. It was in the mouths of regular people preaching the word where they went in the places where they found themselves. And when we operate with the assumption that everyone is called, things shift. Faith in Christ, it brings humility, but it also brings an active resolve to live to the full measure of your faith. The full measure of what God has gifted you, live it out in the circles and the influences where you find yourself. That is because it's not removed from normal life, right? God has given you a faith capacity to spend for his plans and his purposes. And if it's limited to what takes place in a few hours here and maybe community on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, then I think we've missed it. You see, the gospel doesn't produce perpetual spectators. It mobilizes hearers to make a difference for others as God has made a difference in them. We love as he's loved us. We serve as he's served us. We use our gifts, yes, in here, but more out there. We prioritize the least, the last and the lost, which means we're intentionally in and amongst people who do not know Jesus. And we're asking, how can I use my gifts here to serve the kingdom of God, to genuinely love these people, not view them as a project because I need to have a story to share in community when somebody asks me but because I've got friends who I love, just like Jesus loved me, I love them. 
We look for where God's at work and we change things to join him, which means we live with spiritual eyes wide open, not just in church, but in every context of our lives. Where is there an opportunity for me in my job, in my workplace, in my street, in my neighborhood, in my wider family even, to be a blessing? Where's there an opportunity to live and speak gospel truth? And we orient our lives around others, helping them thrive and grow. How can I use my gifts to build the body, to serve the common good for the glory of God? What's that look like? for me? Where have I got a part to play? We make room for different voices. If I only ever hang out with people who just like me, I will miss my blind spots because they'll be the same as mine. I need others to help shape and grow, to spot things in and call things out of me and encourage me and challenge me and exhort me and rebuke me sometimes. But above all, remind me I'm in Christ. We're united, we're different, this is how it works. And we're not in a rush. In God's timing, we pray, we wait, and we weigh. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence with us. The King's in the room. Do really believe that. He wants you to walk with him. Do you know your gifts? Are you operating in them? Are you using your gifts for the glory of God, sake of the world, by the mercies of God? Let us use them. Let us use them. Holy Spirit, just stir in our hearts again a passion for your name, passion for your glory, not the self-preservation or the self-centeredness that so often we can default to, but a zeal and a passion for the glory of God above everything else. May we truly be shaped by the gospel, which means we don't think too highly of ourselves, but nor do we think too lowly of ourselves. Each of us has a tendency to go one way or the other. Holy Spirit, now, would you just rein some of us in and go, it's not about me and you, it's, it's about the glory of God. And others, would you just come right now and say, hey, listen, I've called you. I know you. I've gifted you. It's time to use your gifts. Step out. You're doing it for the glory of God. doesn't matter what others think. I've called you and gifted you. For all of us, let us be shaped by this gospel. This big picture in mind, we are part of the ingathering of the elect from every tribe and every tongue. And in order for this vehicle of mission to truly work, it needs every single part to play its, play its part and function appropriately. Lord, teach us increasingly how to do that. For your glory, our good, and the sake of the world.